Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Liz Burgard, Parent Involvement Coordinator. Several of the Parent Engage 360 podcasts and events over the past two years have touched on the topic of mental health and ways we can support our loved ones. A topic that we have weaved in and out of these events and podcasts is suicide. Suicide can be a topic that is hard to discuss. Sometimes there can be a stigma, or we don't know how to have a conversation. Today, we're going to learn about one mother's story and how through the loss of her son, Sam, she has become an amazing advocate and resource in our very own community. I feel so honored today to have Janet Casperson and Julia Messenger, social emotional learning teacher on special assignment and clinical social worker, joining us to provide additional awareness around the topic of suicide. Welcome, Janet and Julia, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Janet, thank you so much for being here, and it's finally nice to meet you and see you in real life um, and being a part of our podcast series. Can you share a little bit about yourself, your family, Sam, and the amazing work that you and Shannon have done over the past two years? Sure. Uh, Thanks for inviting me to, Liz. I really appreciate you. Uh, It's an honor that you actually invited me to be part of this podcast. Um, I'll just start. My name is Janet Casperson, and I have three kids. Two of them have attended Blaine High School, and one attends Northdale Middle School. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my son, Sam. He was my oldest child. Sam was 16 years old. He was literally the sweetest, most respectful kid you'd ever meet. He never talked back, which is very uncommon for a teenager. (laughs) He just always did what I asked him to do, never gave me any guff. (laughs) He would always have either his Sam smirk on his face, which I can still envision in my brain, or a smile on his face. He was a Boy Scout since the age of five. He loved fishing. He would fish from morning till night. He loved it and anything outdoors. He loved spending time with his friends and family. And a lot of his friends would describe him as that kid that would always try to make them feel better when they're feeling down or or tell them that joke to make them laugh. In September of 2019, two of Sam's good buddies died to suicide. That took a big toll on Sam. He struggled a lot mentally after that happened. Um, And we got him the help that he was willing to get, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, January 2nd, 2020, Sam also died to suicide. We were obviously very devastated and at a loss uh, of a loss of our, our sweet kiddo. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of that, um, Sam's girlfriend, who he dated for two months prior to his death, six weeks later, took her own life. Her name was Ashlyn. After Ashlyn died, her mom, Shannon, and I immediately bonded and essentially joined forces. We decided we needed to do something for a community that was so badly struggling. We had been interviewed on Fox 9, KSTP, Carrie 11 News, telling our stories. We've been part of another podcast, a part of YouTube 
series. We have been interviewed with local newspapers. We have testified in front of Congress for a digital well-being bill, which we in fact helped pass for the tune of $1 million. We have been keynote speakers with their speech that we call the Faces of Suicide. And our most recent was joining forces with a nonprofit called Thumbs Up, which raises money for mental health and suicide prevention. Shannon is literally my sidekick and I can't imagine my life without her. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And it gave me goosebumps even just hearing about um, the relationship that you and Shannon have developed because of the loss of both Sam and Ashlyn. And um, you can just Google your name or Google her name and you can see all of the wonderful stories that you're talking about and all of the things that you have done in our community to really raise awareness about suicide and the importance of having the conversation and talking about it. Um, so I just really appreciate you sharing your story and, and becoming an advocate for something that you probably never wanted to become an advocate for. Right. It's, you know, Shannon and I constantly say it's kind of like it, it feels like it's our therapy. You know, we mm -hmm. we don't want another family to go through what we've gone through. So and you guys have gone through a lot. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that about Sam and your family as well. Um, Julia, can you tell us a little bit about your position and how you and Janet have come to uh, know each other and work together a little bit? Yeah, I'm brand new to my position this year uh, as a school social worker for the district office. Um, I support social and emotional and behavioral health across the district, and it looks a lot of different ways. Uh, and I would say the most important area right now has been responding to students' social emotional needs and mental well-being. And so the way that I connected with Janet this fall was really in a lot of her different work and not only addressing the response when we know that there are concerns for suicide risk or mental health needs, but what are we doing proactively and what are we doing as a community and as a school district to help support our students as a preventative step. And Janet has, has touched on a variety of different areas. Um, she's not only looking at at her work with Thumbs Up uh, and her work with Shannon, but we're also addressing some different pieces of leg legislation, as she mentioned, um, and looking at different curriculum and different ways that we're really weaving well-being into everyday um, work with our kids. It sounds like um, what you have mentioned earlier and you, when you and I have talked about when we were planning for the podcast, it's just a, a, a beautiful partnership that has developed and continued to grow and morph and um, how lucky our district is to really have an outside lens that's giving us information and really helping us through this process as we're trying to encourage and weave things into all aspects of a student and helping them to grow and be become successful and healthy adults as well. So thank you guys for the wonderful work that you do together um, as we continue to change and evolve um, and support our students the best that we can. Can either of you give us an idea of um, what parents should know about or know about suicide or suicidal thoughts and maybe what things that they should look for? Um, as we know, one size doesn't fit all. As you mentioned, Shannon, about Sam, he was very happy and um, no guff and hung out with his friends. And um, when tragedy happened in his life is when he really started to struggle. So would either of you be willing to share, could you share a little bit about what um, parents should be looking for and um, how it isn't one size fits all? Yeah, I'm going to just hit for a second on, on stigma. And I think Janet says it so well. I think a lot of us assume 
um, that somebody is going to look a certain way or sound a certain way when we are experiencing a mental health crisis or having thoughts of suicide. Uh, so one key piece is is when we see that change in demeanor or or some of those pieces of somebody speaking outwardly about what it would be like if I weren't here anymore or making comments or statements. And because of, of stigma and because of some social pieces of, of our discomfort when we hear statements like that, sometimes we might not lean into them. We might be uncertain or uncomfortable or not know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes folks will say, well, I'm not an expert. You know, I didn't know what to say. I don't have the background in that. And, and the truth is we all can just lean right in and ask follow-up questions. And by talking about it and doing things like this podcast and talking openly with our parent friends and, and with our colleagues and with people around us about mental health and about suicide, um, that it's okay to lean right into that. If somebody is making a comment or, or showing some concerns that, that we're worried about, asking directly, hey, are you, have you ever thought about suicide? Are you thinking about harming yourself? I'm here to listen. I want to support you um, and leaning right into that. Janet, what, what comes to mind for you? I completely agree with that. And like I said, Shane and I, you know, we're part of a, a keynote speaker event and that was our main, the subject was a faces of suicide, you know, and we started off showing pictures like goofy, silly pictures. Sam and I would always do silly selfies and, and the same with Shannon and Ashlyn and like this, this, these are our kids, they're gone. And we know they were both struggling, you know, you know, Sam after his two friends, Ashlyn big time after Sam. Um, and it's tough. It's, it's really, every kid is different. Every person's different. Like I, I called, I knew Sam was struggling, but he is also I don't know if I want to say a typical teenage boy, he doesn't like to share his feelings either. So I, I kind of call him the silent struggler, you know, he, I would try to talk to him and he's like, no, I'm good mom. Um, but I would definitely say to look for the kids that are being more withdrawn, I guess, um, when they stop doing things that they normally love doing such as sports or band or theater, and they just don't want to do it anymore. Something's up, you know, check in on them. I like the term that you used about the silent struggler because a lot of times when kids are struggling, they they it even adults too, right? Like it's hard for us to like name how we're feeling and really to articulate. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's why I'm feeling this way, and here's what I'm going to do. So I think um, asking the questions, like you had said, Julie. I remember when um, Sue from Sue Abderholden from NAMI was talking about the about suicide. She had also mentioned it's okay to ask and it's okay to have those direct conversations, and it's important to do that. It's it's hard to do it, um, but it is really important to ask those direct questions, especially if you're. Um, noticing some of the things you had said, said Janet, about um, not doing the things that they typically like or knowing that some th- hard things have recently happened. Um, so I think that those are really great points that you guys made. Um, I know you talked on this a little bit, Julia, but are there ways that you guys can give as tips to decrease the stigma and talk about mental health, talk about suicide and other hard topics that are families and friends that we don't want to always talk about. We want to talk about the wonderful, beautiful parts about life, but we also know that life is messy and hard sometimes. So are there any tips that you guys have about how to decrease the stigma and talk about tough topics? That That's a big one for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> because my biggest thing is we need to talk about it. It needs to be talked about. I feel like people are scared to talk about mental health and think something's wrong with them and, and they're struggling and they need to talk about it. Mental health is never going away, especially with what our kids are going through right now with social media and our teens. It makes it a hundred times worse. You know, they never ever leave school ever. Um, and I think that we need to end that. We we need to end that stigma. It is okay to not be okay, and we need to teach our kids that. Um, but we need to, you know, they need to get help when it's needed too. So that needs to be stressed as well. It's okay to get help. Yeah, it's you know, one in five adults experiences mental illness, and especially with the pandemic and 2020, we know that um, emergency room visits for mental health were up. 24% for our kids ages 5 to 11, and they were up 31% for kids ages 12 to 17. And that hits on a couple different pieces, right? We know that that there's additional stress right now. We know there's greater access to a lot of content through social media or through connections with friends or through isolation through social media and all of those big stressors. Um, and yet, we don't talk about mental illness or, or suicidal ideations in the same way we do I'm, I have strep throat or I'm sick with, you know, a broken arm or something else that's like a visible or a physical um, illness. And, and I think really educating each other and talking openly about mental health is physical health, right? It is. They're, they're one in the same. And, and I think we've come, a, you know, a, a ways in, in the last 40 years and we still have a long ways to go. Um, so I just think about some of the pieces and, and, this opportunity in this podcast, my biggest piece was I really want people to know that by talking about suicide, you are not planting any ideas, you are not creating opportunity. Um, that's a really, it's a misunderstanding. Um, and, and in fact, by naming it, you're creating a safe space to have that dialogue because there are so much, there's so much shame and stigma tied into to even considering or thinking about something like that that we want to, we want to bust that down, right? We want to say, hey, it's, you're welcome to talk about that with me. Um, and, and let's move through this together. I think the point that you made about naming it and it's, you're not planting the seed is also a really large takeaway from this podcast, right? Like you, you having a tough conversation with someone, whether it's your, your child or your parent or a family member or a friend, it's just super important to do that. And when you notice that something's off, either about your children or anyone in, that you have a relationship with, I think it's so important to have that conversation and to ask the question, even if it's outside of your comfort zone, right? And if you, I've known for me, sometimes if there's something that I don't, I don't want to talk about, but I know I have to talk about, sometimes I'll either ask my husband, like, hey, can I practice asking you this question so it comes like off of my tongue naturally and or it's okay to struggle through it to say to someone I I don't really know how to ask this but I want to I, I care about you and I want to know are you thinking about um, suicide or to ask those questions and to say I don't really know how to do this because a lot of times we don't have these conversations mm -hmm. on the regular right yeah and and I think it's safe to say boy I I'm not super comfortable in this because there isn't, there aren't a lot of spaces where we're offered to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So let's go there together. Right. Like, and I might say, mm -hmm. say something or ask something that's uncomfortable and just, just know that I'm here because I care and, mm -hmm. and giving that, taking away that sense of isolation and also naming 
it can feel really isolating because everyone isn't talking about it the same way we're talking about COVID or we're talking about strep or we're talking about mm-hmm. um, other illnesses right now. And and so let's let's do that together. Let's just make it a part of the dialogue. It's what we yeah. do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I haven't uh, experienced suicide personally, but when my I remember when my dad died when I was younger, someone had said to me like, they were uncomfortable asking me about him. And I said, I really do appreciate when you ask about him, even 15 years later, mm-hmm. somebody that knows him or knows that that was a really hard time in my life. I really do appreciate when people still think to ask and to know that you do want to still have a conversation about Sam. You still want to do have a conversation about um, one of your loved ones who has passed away because they were such a part of your life for so long and really made you who you are. So I think that that's also, it's okay to ask. And it's okay to let someone know that you care about them when they are going through something very difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way, Janet? Absolutely. Um, if anyone ever asked me about Sam, like, I will just go on and on and on about him. <laughs> I talk about him all the time. Uh, my boyfriend, you know, we've been dating for, you know, 18 months. He never got to meet Sam, but he always says, I feel like I know him mm-hmm. because you talk about him all the time and his funny stories and the things he would say. He's like, he he's just bummed, you know, he's like, gosh, we would have got along so great. You know, mm-hmm. he was such a great kid. So I talk about him all the time. I love that. Julia, you work in our schools. Can you please provide some ideas of supports that are available for students in our schools and how they would access those services if they felt like they needed them for their child, either at the elementary level, middle school, or high school level? Yes. So at elementary, we have school social workers in in our elementary buildings, uh, and they would be the first go-to for student support uh, in regards to mental well-being. And then at secondary buildings, so middle school or high school, you're going to have both uh, school social work or school counselors available. And we also have school psychologists available, um, pre-K, post-12 for students who are on uh, individualized education plans and have those minutes written into their IEP. Um, But the biggest piece that I would say for any parent, any student listening is, yep, those are your supports who can support mental well-being and know that your uh, teachers, your paraprofessionals, those people, your administrators, the people that spend the most time with your student or might have a connection with your student uh, or give a high five every day, bus drivers, different people that know them um, are also additional supports. And I think I shared this in the 360 uh, with Sue um, recording that we did as well, but I really want to put it out there that you can never advocate too much for your student. So if you have a concern and you put a call in and it's possible right now with the way things are that, that you don't get an email back or a call back right away, don't hesitate to continue to call or to call a secretary and say, hey, I would like to speak to someone um, today, right now. Uh, just know that that you can do that as a guardian or as a student um, and, and that that is your right. And, and especially when it comes to a mental health crisis, that that immediate need can be met. And and if you're not getting it, keep going up and up and up until you connect with someone. Really advocating for yourself and your child to make sure that um, they have the resources or, or know that they're supported and can get supports if needed. I think that that's a really great takeaway from knowing there are supports in our schools. Now we're going to take a break. 
before we do that, I just want to say thanks, Julia, for um, sharing information about being an advocate for your child. And it's important to continue to um, call the school and to, to find support for your child if they are having uh, are in need of additional support. For those who need immediate help, you are not alone. 24-hour support is available by phone by calling the National Suicide Prevention Line 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. Please note, this number will transition to a new three-number 988 starting on July 16, 2022. By text message, contact the Crisis Text Line by texting MN to 741741. Both services are always available to support mental health needs of persons in crisis and are offered at no cost. Before the break, we were talking with Julia about um, supports in our schools. We're going to dive in and hear a little bit more from Janet from the parent perspective. Um, our, through this t- last two years, what are community supports that are available and what have you learned and can you share with parents and or students that are listening to our podcast today? Um, honestly, that's a tough question. Um, just Shannon and I get, we literally get messages all the time from random people, you know, their kids are struggling. What do we do? Um, and we always have to say we're, we're not mental health help professionals, Um, But we will tell you what, you know, we'll give resources out to uh, the parents. Um, I'm not really familiar with any support groups, per se, in the area Uh, for teens. I always refer people to the NAMI um, website for resources. Um, The Thumbs Up nonprofit that I work with is also a great website uh, for resources as well. And that website is thumbsuphigh5k.com. and also Thumbs Up will be opening a teen center in February that will be located at Elk River. So that's going to be huge. I think this will be a great space for teens to meet and chill and, and talk to other teens. And it's just a safe place for them to hang out. Um, another resource I always give out, which is kind of more, you know, for teenagers is the 741741, the texting um, one, which I think helps a lot. There's always help available 24-7. Those are some really great resources. Um, we, Anoka Hennepin has a great partnership with NAMI as well, and I knew Sue Abderholden has, does a lot of work in our community along with the team at NAMI to really um, remove the stigma and have conversations. They have really great things on their website, too, to really support a parent and or a student that may be going through a difficult time. Um, the thumbs up group. I, it's really cool to hear that they're opening a, a, a drop-in center or a center for people, for teens to go to in Elk River. That's pretty amazing. Um, I think too, just knowing those resources are available, you might not need them right now, but it is something that maybe as a parent, you want to jot down or save in your phone as a time when something might come up, you at least have some places to start to, to know that good information can be found if you need it. Um, do either of you have takeaways or tips to help other parents support children and let them know that they are loved with all of the pressures being faced by young people today? As as you mentioned earlier, social media, um, peers, how we, adults are talking to each other, like it's been a hard time with COVID. Um, how do we really reassure 
our youth and our students that they are loved and they are cared for and they are important. And as um, I think both of you would definitely agree with me, we just want to make take all of our kids and just wrap them in a bubble and just say it's going to be okay. I promise this is really hard and you can get through this. Um, is there any uh, tips that you guys would have? I know you both have children, as do I, that you would want to share. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yeah, with the social media aspect, it, it is just a crazy world, you know, that our teens are growing up in. You know, we never had to deal with this growing up as teens. You know, now they, they never leave school ever. Um, and kids can be so cruel to each other um, when they're not having to say it to their face. It's so easy to type behind a screen and, and send it on the way. And the thing is, is that you never know how someone's words were, will affect another person, especially they could be having a really, really tough day. And this, you know, what they say to you via uh, Snapchat or whatever uh, social media, it, it could push someone over the edge. So try to teach your kids, you know, that, to be kind, you know, um, that's that's the biggest thing is, is kindness, really it comes down to that. Um, you could tell, tell your kids that we all struggle at some point. No, no. And again, um, and like I said earlier, it's okay to, to not be okay. Um, tell them whatever they are going through, they're going to get through it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's just a bump in the road. Make sure to keep an open line of communication. That's very, very big. Make sure you're always checking on them. Try to empathize what they're going through. And tell them a big thing is there's always someone out there that will talk to you. There's find your person, you know, there's always someone that you can go to. Julia, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, there, I mean, it's so tricky during those adolescent years, especially when peers have such high motivation for our kids, you know, the, the wanting to be liked and and the impulse control too of putting something out there on Snapchat or Instagram that TikTok that's, you know, forever. And, and it's hard to really explain that concept. Um, and to, to battle with that, that friend group or that adolescent um, almost instantaneous reward sometimes when we do something that people might think is funny, even if it's hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do we really open that conversation up with our kids? And and it doesn't have to be a big sit down, you know, for hours. It can be right. little snippets here and there. Um, but how do we really talk about kindness, as Janet said, and, and talk about um, the long-term impact or even just pausing when you have an idea or somebody's telling you to do something, how do you pause um, and wait on that impulse? to not send those hurtful messages or do those hurtful things. I think that social media is hard, right? As a parent, you want to let your kid be a part of it because if they're not, they're missing out on whatever's happening on social media. But you, we also do know that it is so easy to sit behind a screen and, and type some hurtful words or um, say something that we wouldn't want to say to someone's face and or maybe at that that quick moment, you're feeling that way, but tomorrow or in two hours, you're not feeling that same way. Um, I, I think it's so important to have those conversations with your children and other adults about that. And then also that it's permanent. You put it online, at some point someone can take a screenshot or they can use those words and turn around and hurt you in a different way. So I think um, going back and reiterating the point that both of you made about kindness and really talking about 
the the implications of doing things online um, that the three of us didn't have to think about when we were in high school or junior high or even in our college years um, is is something different that we should really talk about and address. Janet, I know you talked about this a little bit earlier in our podcast, but can you give us a little bit of information, more information about Thumbs Up for mental health and how others might get involved? Absolutely. Um, Shannon and I got involved with Thumbs Up approximately, I'd say, about a year ago. Thumbs Up is an amazing nonprofit based out of Elk River. Katie Shatuski is the executive director, and Shannon and I, uh, we've got, become really close with Katie. Um, it, it does raise money for mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, uh, yeah, it was last year. Shannon and I became part of the planning committee for the 5K race they host every mm-hmm. September. Every person on the planning committee, which I think there was about 10 of us, um, has been affected by suicide in some way. So we all have that same common goal to raise as much money possible for this nonprofit. Um, in previous years, they've hosted about 500 people um, for, for the race day. This last September, um, Shannon and I helped make it the biggest year they've ever had with 992 participants. Wow. And raised $87,000. We had a team Sam and a team Ashlyn, and we had over a combined 200 participants join our teams and walking or running in memory of our sweet kids. Uh, Thumbs Up does amazing things for uh, their school district in Elk River. They make calming corners for elementary schools. They make cheer bags for kids or adults that are struggling mentally. They offer financial assistance for therapy sessions. They offer uh, financial, I'm sorry, they offer scholarships to 12th graders that are going uh, into mental health careers and they do so much more. And we are very excited uh, to share that we are expanding these resources into our Noka Hennepin district and also the Spring Lake Park district that uh, Ashland attended in the near future. And if you do want to get involved, which we would love, go to the <laughs> thumbsuphigh5k.com website and see what is offered. And we are always in need of volunteers on race day. So that's huge if you do want to do any kind of volunteering that way. Awesome. It, it just seems like an amazing partnership and uh, organization and started small in one community and has continued to grow and spread and having 992 participants in a pandemic year mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I didn't know much about the organization before um, we had connected and so I was uh, learning about it. And so I'm excited to, to continue to learn about it and watch it grow over the next couple of years yeah. as well. That's awesome. Um, Some takeaways that I have from this conversation, I want to first say thank you to both of you for being here and um, being willing to share your story and the work that you do. Um, The first thing is to lean in and ask follow-up questions to whether it's your child or your child's friend or a family member, and it's okay to ask the questions. Um, Janet, I like what you said, and I know I know we all know this, but it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes we're just not okay, and it's okay to say that. We don't always have to be on our A game. Sometimes we are going to be struggling. We all is, are humans, and that's going to happen. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. Can you please help me? 
um, the tip you guys had mentioned about just having an open line of communication. Maybe um, you're struggling to have a conversation with your child, a difficult conversation with your child, but you know that your your son or daughter really likes their coach or there's a para or a teacher that they really look up to is having that conversation with the teacher or the coach to ask to check in with your kid, I think is also really important. Um, I liked what you said, Janet, too, about finding your person. Like there, it is so important to have a person. Everyone's person's going to be different, but to have that person that you can connect with and feel comfortable with and be vulnerable with. Um, and then also what you guys had both mentioned about pausing. Don't try not to be impulsive to really think about what you're posting on social media, thinking about what you're saying to someone. Um, on a good day, it may it, someone might take it one way, but if they're already struggling on a, on a bad day, they may take it in the wrong way. And um, just pausing and thinking about how we're communicating um, to one another and that our words can affect one another. And most importantly, just be kind. Everyone's going through something at some point and uh, being a, a good friend and a, and a good parent and just being kind because you never really know what somebody else is going through are um, some big takeaways that I have from today. Is there any other things that you would want to share with our listeners as we wrap up our podcast? A couple of different things, just short and sweet. Um, my biggest thing is just stress to your kids how loved and needed they are in this world. Um, that's that's a big thing. You know, when kids are struggling, it just, just tell them how much they're loved. Um, also, just don't make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. That's, that's very big, you know, because kids are so impulsive and they just, they think things at the time, at this moment are not going to get better, but they will. And they have to, they have to look, you know, down the road, it's going to get better, you know? So just don't make that permanent choice or permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Yeah, Janet, every time you say that, it just every time sinks in deeper. Um, and I think the one other area I would also add that I continue to work on as a parent, um, and and it's really modeling when I am struggling, needing additional supports as well, whether it's pausing and, and calling a trusted person or doing some sort of activity that I know and really really narrating that I'm doing this right now because I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Um, but normalizing some of that and, and, and that's a growth area, I'll admit, um, just really being able to state explicitly when things are tricky and when additional effort is needed or additional support is needed. Um, and that it's okay to not try to navigate it alone. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for sharing those additional tips. I think that it's just so important to know, that all of us know that we're loved and that we're cared for and we all have a purpose here and it's okay to be vulnerable and say, I, I need help. Um, I just really appreciate both of you spending the time to be here and learning from you and Janet sharing your story about Sam. And I feel like I know him a little bit better and I've seen his pictures online. So I just want to say thank you so much to both of you uh, for your time and for all you do to really impact our students and our community and to make this world a better place. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program, 
and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.